Hey gang, you're listening to the R&R Rounds podcast. I'm Jonathan Wallace, and I have another really awesome case that I'm super jazzed up about that I want to share with you. So this happened just last night, and I had a young lady come in complaining of a possible foreign body in her foot. And six months earlier, she had managed to get a splinter in her foot and had pulled it out, tried to get all of it out, but now is convinced that there is a piece remaining. There seems to be some ongoing swelling and it feels a little bit boggy and sore on the bottom of her foot, kind of in the ball area around the head of the fifth metatarsal. So she's already been to see her GP. Apparently there was an x-ray, it didn't show anything. And now she's waiting for an outpatient ultrasound to see if there's a foreign body, but is getting ready to go away on a holiday in five days, is finding it a little bit uncomfortable to walk on, and so has come into, in this particular case, urgent care. So all seven of my regular listeners already know where this episode is headed. It's going to be another episode on the value of ultrasound in resource-limited locations, such as rural, remote, and in this particular case, urgent care. Now, if you're tired of hearing me talk about ultrasound, I'm sorry, but it is one of my areas of particular interest, and honestly, it's the future of medicine. So sooner or later, we're all going to need to wake up and smell the coffee and get on board with this. Anyway, I think this particular case will really highlight the value of what ultrasound can do for us. As I mentioned, this lady has a potential foreign body in her foot. It's not visible on x-ray. She's waiting for an outpatient ultrasound, and I happen to have one in my hand. So I scan her, and within a matter of about 10 seconds, I'm able to localize not just a linear foreign body that's located five millimeters below the skin, but a collection of fluid around said foreign body. So this is very much consistent with a retained foreign body that has a localized infection, but it's five millimeters deep to the skin, and that would explain why there's no erythema or really anything objective on my physical examination to suggest that there is a foreign body present. Remember, it's been there for six months, so the skin has had more than enough time to heal. Anyway, there is no doubt that there is a foreign body sitting in a little puddle of fluid about five millimeters located below the skin without any significant structures superficial to it. This is a foreign body that is ripe for being removed. So now the story gets a little bit more complicated in that I really like to crowdsource when I can. Removing a foreign body is kind of a fun procedure that I think many physicians enjoy. And indeed, I was working with a colleague who seemed to really enjoy procedures. And so I invited her to come have a look at the scan and I gave her the option to perform the procedure to remove the foreign body if she wanted, which she took me up on. So I got a Sharpie marker out, and with the patient lying supine and her plantar surface now facing me, I traced out the location of the splinter, the length of it, and the exact location of the ends and the body of it. And then I left my colleague alone to perform the procedure. Now the thing is, Finding a splinter, which is probably the diameter of a sewing needle, is actually a lot harder, even when it's only five millimeters below the skin, and even when you have markings on the skin that show the exact location. And so it proved to be a little bit of a challenge. And so my colleague asked me to come back a couple of different times just to rescan and verify the position of the splinter, which I happily did. She had made a incision that was approximately a centimeter wide and was using some forceps and also a little clamp like a mosquito to kind of feel around. But really all she was grasping hold of was fascial planes. And although it felt like she was bumping something solid with the tip of her instruments, she couldn't seem to get a grasp on it. Now at this point, I just want to highlight that 
trying to remove a foreign body in an area that is sufficiently deep from the skin, a few millimeters, that has sufficiently healed is actually extremely difficult, particularly when you have a foreign body that is maybe the diameter of a sewing needle. And so the struggle that my colleague was experiencing is certainly not unique to her. In fact, I've been in the same position with other patients in the past where I think it's gonna be quite easy to find a foreign body and it proves to be quite difficult. And as an anesthetist, I have certainly been in the OR with a sleeping patient and a surgeon who's attempting to remove a foreign body and they are sweating away with a much larger incision trying to locate this thing which seems to have disappeared. Now going back to first principles, when you are performing a procedure and having difficulty, the first thing you should really do is just stop and look at the positioning, the positioning of the patient, the positioning of yourself, the positioning of the bed, and try and optimize something. Because almost always when we're struggling with some sort of procedure in medicine, there is something that will make the procedure easier to perform and our lives overall a lot better. So my next suggestion was, why don't we try rolling the patient into a prone position so that her plantar foot, rather than being 90 degrees to the top of the bed, could then be plantar flexed to give us a more open surface to work on. And so we did that. We repositioned her and moved her around. And my colleague began rooting around in the same position and still was having difficulty identifying the foreign body, even though she now had better lighting and a better angle for her own visualization. So on the next time when I imaged it just to confirm position, I was quite surprised to discover that the location of the foreign body had now moved significantly, say a centimeter or so, from the position that I had previously marked out with Sharpie. Now listening to this at home, you might not be as surprised as I was because when you sit back and think about it, it kind of makes sense. You have this foreign body located in some sort of deeper fascial plane deep to the subcutaneous tissue. Obviously the pad of the foot is somewhat mobile and so there's going to be some flexion in it. But it was just a reminder to me that localizing a structure underneath the skin and marking on the skin where it is, is highly variable depending on the actual position of that body part at the time. I retraced out the location of the foreign body and then I suddenly remembered a trick to identifying foreign bodies and removing them like this. The trick again comes down to ultrasound, but basically what you do is you take an 18 gauge needle and in the long axis of the foreign body where you can see the full length of the foreign body, you guide that needle down from outside of the image area into the field of view and you line it up so that the tip of your needle is pointing and even touching the tip of the foreign body. And this is what I did. And it wasn't easy. Anyone who has tried their hand at ultrasound guided procedures knows that it's quite challenging to maintain the orientation of the probe within a degree or two of rotation and within a half millimeter or so of lateral translation and slide on the skin to maintain that foreign body. Plus then with your other hand, you need to bring in a needle and get it right into that one millimeter thick beam so that you can see the full length of the needle in long axis. So there is a little bit of fiddling involved and it probably took me a minute or two, but it wasn't particularly difficult in the grand scheme to bring this 18 gauge needle in and line it up perfectly with the end of the splinter. So once I had achieved that, all of a sudden the procedure became a lot simpler because all we did was take our scalpel and run down the length of the needle that I had just placed. 
starting where the needle enters the skin and cutting down the length of the needle. And you can feel, of course, the hard needle underneath your scalpel, extending that down. And when we got to the tip of the needle, we knew that we were right at the tip of the foreign body. Now, having a good look in this foot that was oozing a little bit of blood, we still were not able to visualize any convincing splinter. So I extended that incision a further centimeter and exposed that tissue distal to the tip of the needle, exactly where that foreign body should be. And it turns out we weren't that far off of the original incision. In fact, this final longitudinal incision following the length of the needle and the length of the foreign body ended up meeting up with that original horizontal incision. But clearly that horizontal incision was far enough off that we were not capturing the foreign body when we were probing with our mosquito and forcep earlier, or at least after the position change and rolling the patient into prone, the foreign body had shifted away from that initial area of investigation. Anyway, long story short, my brilliant colleague was able to fish around a little bit longer with her mosquito and all of a sudden out came the foreign body. And sure enough, it was exactly what it looked like under ultrasound. It was about a centimeter long. It was about the thickness of a sewing needle. It was a black nasty thing that looked like it probably came off a dock or something like that. And clearly this was not something that the body was very happy with. I forgot to mention earlier in my story that as my colleague made her initial incision, she found that pocket of fluid and was able to release a substantial amount of exudative fluid that had originally been surrounding this particular splinter. So we have the splinter out and we now have a two, maybe three centimeter incision that needs to be closed. We've certainly got a reasonable amount of liquid exudative material out. There doesn't seem to be any ongoing drainage. And so the wound seems quite well anesthetized and quite clean. So at this point, my colleague had some other patients she needed to attend to. And so I offered to close up the laceration, which actually was quite straightforward. Because it was the sole of the foot, I decided to actually suture it and close it and not leave it open for secondary closure to not pack it. I just felt that it would be extremely painful to be walking on an open sore on the bottom of the foot. So I used Ethylon 3.0 and I put in a total of three stitches just to close this L-shaped incision. And then I left the sutures relatively spaced out so that if there was ongoing serosanguinous ooze, it wouldn't be completely sealed in there. It would be able to drain without too much difficulty. And finally, we decided to put the patient on a short course of amoxicillin clavulinic acid. I think it was 500 milligrams TID for a week. So the long and the short of it is if we hadn't had the ultrasound that evening, if we hadn't been bold enough to go digging for this thing with the advantage of ultrasound guidance, we probably would not have found that foreign body. It probably would have been retained, plus or minus an incision. We would not have been able to arrange surgical consultation in time to remove this prior to her week holiday. And this patient probably would have ended up with a much nastier ongoing chronic foot infection, at least for the duration of her holiday out of province until she could return back home and see a surgeon and finally get this dealt with. Also, having seen my surgical colleagues remove a number of foreign bodies over the years as I take care of the anesthesia, I'm familiar with the fact that typically the incision ends up being quite large in order to explore the area and identify these challenging little foreign bodies, especially when they're deep enough that you have no real clue from the surface. And so this ultrasound-guided needle location of the end of the foreign body really saved the day. It really minimized the total size of this particular exploratory incision. And in fact, if I had remembered this right from the outset, 
I probably could have gotten away with an incision half the size of what it proved to be. In any case, remember that ultrasound is actually extremely useful when looking for foreign bodies. All sorts of materials will show up, metal, wood, glass, plastic, and so on. It's much more broad in terms of what it will detect as compared to objects that are radiopaque that will show up on x-ray. Confirming the presence of a foreign body using ultrasound is really not that difficult because let's face it, foreign bodies tend to be very artificial in their structure. They tend to have very distinct shapes and architecture depending on the material. For example, splinters tend to be extremely straight and narrow, whereas glass may follow that typical rounded, kind of jagged, shard appearance. So even if you haven't been trained in looking for foreign bodies, I would encourage you to go ahead and pick up your linear probe and scan the area and look in that superficial area for some sort of bizarre surface that doesn't match the surrounding soft tissues of the body. Also, as in this particular case, if the foreign body has been retained for a while, almost certainly there's some sort of inflammatory or infectious reaction around it. So for this particular foreign body, it was very easy to localize because I simply looked in the middle of this pocket of fluid. If you want to practice scanning for foreign bodies, it's actually really easy to do. In our Rural Ultrasound Fellowship, we actually go through the exercise of creating our own ultrasound phantom for foreign bodies. And you can do it with just a few dollars worth of materials that you can get at your local emergency department. We take a bag of normal saline, say 100 milliliters. We take a needle, we draw out all of the air because air bubbles and ultrasound do not work well together. And then we take one of those Q-tips, you know, the wooden long-handled Q-tip, and we stick that through the rubber stopper on the end of the IV bag. So now the Q-tip handle is inside the saline bag floating around in there, and the Q-tip is on the surface sticking out. And so far, we haven't really lost any fluid whatsoever. It's just a air-free bag with this Q-tip sitting in it. And now you can use some ultrasound gel and pop your linear probe on top of the IV bag and you can practice identifying your foreign body, i.e. this Q-tip handle. Next, you can take a small gauge needle, say a 21 gauge needle, you don't want to make too large a hole in the side of the IV bag, and you can put it into the IV bag and you can practice trying to touch the foreign body, that is the Q-tip handle, with your needle. And you can do it in long axis or short axis or whatever. And this is a great way to begin to develop your ultrasound guidance techniques. It is a lot more challenging than it looks when you're standing over someone's shoulder watching them struggle away. It's very easy to commentate either in your head or out loud and say, no, no, just move your needle a little bit this way. But in practice, when you actually are holding and trying to align the ultrasound probe with the foreign body and the needle in the other hand and line up all of these things at once, in practice, it's a lot more complicated and definitely worth taking one of these little IV bags and practicing. Now, word to the wise, as soon as you put your needle through the side of the IV bag, you will induce a little bit of a leak. It's not going to be very fast at all, but it will cause a little bit of a leak. So you may want to do this on top of some sort of waterproof surface. You could even do it inside one of those K basins or a cardboard emesis basin just to catch any of the drips coming out. A great thing to do in the middle of a shift if you find yourself bored with no patience to see. All right, gang, well, I hope that was an interesting story. I certainly was super pumped, as was my colleague, when this black little splinter finally came out at the very end. The patient was so delighted, she ended up taking a picture of it as well. And honestly, it's not really any more difficult than what I described. You just need to be patient. You need to be willing to take your time with that ultrasound probe. Expect that it's going to be challenging to get your alignment correct. And remember that if you change the patient position, you'll probably have to rescan. 
And remember the trick of putting in a larger needle, say an 18 gauge, it's much easier to cut along an 18 gauge than a 25 gauge, which is why I recommend a larger gauge needle. But put that in and align it tip to tip so that you can just dissect along your needle and then you know that your scalpel is right on top of that forearm body. And that should greatly simplify the procedure if and when you next have to do one. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now. The RNR podcast is free open access medical education. This episode was hosted by Dr. Jonathan Wallace, editing by Dr. Logan Haynes. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And remember to check out the show notes for more clinical pearls. Visit podcast.rnrrounds.ca.